0: Welcome to News Data's Energy West, a podcast about the energy industry
1: today and where it's going tomorrow. Hello, I'm Jason Fordney, editor of California Energy Markets, and this extended episode of Energy West features an interview with Jason Hunter, who's a former employee of Riverside Public Utilities that I would describe as a whistleblower. For more than two years in my Tangled Web series and CEM, I've been covering the situation around the Los Angeles Department of Water and Power and its former general manager, David Wright. This week, on April 25th, Wright was sentenced to six years in prison for accepting bribes from a lawyer in exchange for official action to secure a three-year, $30 million no-bid LADWP contract for the lawyer's company. Other Los Angeles City's Attorney's Office and LADWP attorneys have also made plea agreements in this case. They include former LADW Chief Information Security Officer David Alexander, who pleaded guilty to one count of making false statements to investigators, and former LA City Attorney's Office Chief of the Civil Litigation Branch Thomas Peters, who pleaded guilty to one count of aiding and abetting extortion. So I've covered this case extensively in CEM for more than two years, but the focus of this podcast is not David Wright's time at LADWP, but his previous job at Riverside Public Utilities, where he worked with Jason Hunter. The city of Riverside prodded for years by Jason Hunter has been looking into contracts signed by Wright during his time at RPU, where he worked with Hunter. The Riverside City Council in January ordered auditing firm i Bailey to talk to Hunter as it conducts an audit of contracts signed by Wright between RPU and the Southern California Public Power Authority. RPU since 1980 has been a member of SCAPA, a joint powers authority with 11 municipal utilities and one irrigation district. Hunter alleges that during his time at RPU, Wright was involved in misappropriation of funds through SCAPA. Hunter's allegations were backed up by a report completed in May 2019 by a private investigator hired by the City of Riverside Human Resources Department. That report states, quote, Mr. Hunter appears to be credible and truthful in what he perceives as misappropriation of public funds involving expenditures between RPU and SCAPA. So this podcast with Jason Hunter was recorded before... Wright's felony plea agreement and sentencing, and before the Riverside City Council voted to have Hunter interviewed as part of the i Bailey audit. Wright's attorney did not return a request for comment on this case, while SCAPA's executive director told CEM that the organization will participate in any investigation. We hope you enjoy this episode of Energy West, as disturbing as it is, and there'll be much more to come in CEM's Tangled web series, which you can find at www.newsdata.com.
2: All right, we're here today with Jason Hunter, who is a resident of Riverside County, California, former employee of Riverside Public Utilities. How are you doing today, Jason?
0: Excellent, how are you?
2: I'm great, it's, uh, it's good to sit down and talk with you about this. I've set up a, a little bit of an intro talking about what's happening with the audit, uh, which was approved uh, back in June of 2020. It's now been almost a year and a half, which I'm sure we'll talk about this. But as I was always saying, maybe the best way to go about this is just let's go back in time a little bit to around the 2012 time frame. You're working at RPU, and you start seeing some things that uh, seem a little bit unusual to you. Can you can you get into that?
0: Sure, and, and maybe we should go into a, a real quick uh, description of what. SCAPA is the Southern California Public Power Authority for your listeners. Sure. It's a joint powers agency, which consists of, I'm going to say a dozen or so, uh, what they call publicly owned utilities, which are different than the investor owned utilities that most people are aware of, the PG&Es, the Southern California Edisons, the Dominion Resources, uh, uh, American Electric Powers, you know, all over the, the country, those are owned by investors. Out in California, they have quite a few publicly owned utilities. They're actually owned by the ratepayers, and they consolidate their bargaining power uh, on big projects. This is the reason why SCAPA was started: was to allow them to join in with other utilities to get uh, economies of scale, to drive better deals for transmission assets, for power plants, and, and really the big dog in this uh, joint powers agency, SCAPA, is. Uh, LADWP, which is also known as Los Angeles Department of Water and Power. And so my involvement with SCAPA started when I was hired by RPU in 2009. And I had been in the energy industry at that point in time for about a a decade. I had worked for several very, very large uh, energy trading firms uh, across the country um, and and had risen to the level of, uh, the head of all marketing and trading at Public Service Company of New Mexico, before I came out here to California and took over the role of really the the head of their marketing and trading department at their local utility, procuring their um, electricity and, and natural gas supplies. So that's how it kind of all started. I was there for a few years. And one of the tasks that I was assigned to was working on the implementation from a regulatory perspective of the cap and trade system for carbon in California. And so this is back in a decade or so ago with, I I believe it was AB 31 was the bill that that put in place um, the state's goals to limit carbon to 1990 levels. And then Drop them Mm -hmm. from there. I forget exactly the details of that at this juncture, but anyway, so I was uh, participating in these SCAPA calls with these other uh, regulatory um, subject matter experts. Uh, And who's in SCAPA? You got LA, the city of Glendale, Burbank, uh, Pasadena, Colton. Azusa, Imperial Irrigation District, I could go on and on, but it's just to give you a flavor of some of the, and of course, LA, just to give you a flavor of kind of yeah. what the the folks that were in on those calls. And we were, of course, trying to make sure that the regulation was done in a way that was positive for particularly for, for me, for the smaller publicly owned utilities, you know, maybe have a hundred thousand customers versus some of the big IOUs, independently owned utilities, investor owned utilities, uh, that have millions of customers, right? So we're a fraction yeah. of the size. And so I noticed that those meetings were being run by a, a lawyer. And I remember seeing some of the bills for the lawyer and saying, boy, these, this law firm is getting paid, boy, an awful lot of money. And I don't remember this law firm's contract ever being approved by the Board of Public Utilities, or the City Council. And so that's kind of how my interest in SCAPA started. And I, I reported that to my boss, and he kind of had the same or similar thoughts. And we were told at that juncture, you know, hey, listen, you're the marketing and trading guy. You're not the internal compliance guy. It's none of your business. You know, why are you even asking questions about it? right so wow so it, it, it kind of you know that's kind of how it all started and of course that kind of response is what drew further interest from me yeah. <laughs> as far as what was going on at STAPA.
2: which law firm are you talking about
0: oh i don't remember off the top of my head anymore it's been okay. so many years have passed uh but the i see anyway so that went to uh my manager eventually went on to another job back in the in the private sector and I had a, a real problem with the utility at that point in time. When, once my manager left, um, I they, you know, because I was I was making complaints about scapa and some other things. I was probably seen as a bit of a squeaky wheel. And that doesn't, I, I, as being somebody in the private sector, that was never really a problem. But in the public sector, man, what I found was, boy, they don't like squeaky wheels to report problems. <laughs> And so every time I'd report a, I'd report a problem about what I thought was inappropriate behavior on behalf of the utility, uh, I would get a lot of uh, negative feedback. Um, some people might even call it harassment and retaliation. Well, mm-hmm. uh, that once I lost my manager there who was supportive of me asking those questions, boy, that her, uh, retaliation and harassment really uh, ramped up another level. This is probably in about two thousand. Twelve or so, um, I got a new manager, and she was not uh, open-minded about uh, somebody like me making complaints about how the utility was running itself. And I just thought that we were doing a lot of things that weren't in the best interest of our ratepayers. And so eventually, it culminated in me uh, getting uh, uh, disciplined. And I, as part of that, there was an investigation, and the investigation okay. they hired a. some sort of uh, subject matter expert to conduct an an investigation into me in a really wonky subject. It was called resource adequacy. And they were trying to pin it on me, uh, a a near crisis that happened that I didn't have the authority to do anything about. But yet they were trying to say I had the authority and I should have done something about it. But if I had done something about it without the authority, that would have given them reasons to actually fire me. Instead, they said, well, you didn't do anything about it. And because we think you should have and that you had the authority that you say you didn't, uh, we're going to discipline you anyways. So (laughs) as confusing as that sounds, that's what happened. And Mm -hmm. so then I found out that while I was I I knew I was kind of getting railroaded and I was getting set up. Uh, They they didn't want me there. I was kind of a square peg in a round hole. I didn't really fit the culture, uh, but I was a classified civil servant. They couldn't fire me without cause. So what they were doing was just building a case in order to get rid of me. And this investigation was part of it. And uh, I looked to see where they had hired this investigator out of um, who I knew was um, had a previous uh, relationship with several of the managers, uh, professional relationship with several of the managers there. I knew that from just my my. Three three and a half years of working there, somehow he ends up doing the investigation. And I said, "Well, where is he getting paid from?" And sure enough, I tracked back the money, and somehow or another, this it's he's getting paid out of a SCAPA account. And I thought to myself, "Well, this is a hmm. joint powers authority that really has one purpose and one mission, and that's to uh, allow smaller utilities to aggregate their buying power in order to buy transmission and, and power plants. How the heck?" are they running investigations of employees through this organization? I thought something is really screwy here. So then I started digging deeper in probably the end of 2012, 2013. And what I was finding was that the city, uh, the the utility was running a lot of consulting contracts and a lot of uh, extraneous business that didn't seem to be, uh, they had the authority to do under the SCAPA charter. Um, they were running it through what they called the Palo Verde energy account. So they had this contract, the city of Riverside, and, and many other utilities as well with the Palo Verde uh, nuclear power plant. And it, of course they, that mm-hmm. generates a, a, a very large amount of energy, especially for considering an irrelevant size to these smaller utilities. And so uh, the city would be on the hook for purchasing this uh uh, resource adequacy and these p- power contracts at a con- contracted price. Uh, obviously they had agreed to many years before, but what they were doing was they were burying a lot of these charges for these consultants and for these other activities as just line items, not really describing what the activities were, just listing contract numbers, sending them to the utility directly from SCAPA and then the utility would send them to the city's general fund, and they would be rubber-stamped and paid without any question whatsoever. And almost all of these contracts had never been approved at the local level as far as their either boards of public utilities, that's how it worked in a a publicly owned utility, or their city councils. And there was almost uh, zero awareness. I would say there was zero awareness amongst these boards and councils uh, that this act, these activities were even taking place. And yet uh, they were sent spending, remember, uh, a joint powers authority doesn't really have any of its own money. All of its money comes from its members. So they were spending city of Riverside money without, without following any of the city of Riverside policies.
2: And I assume um, the current audit that is happening, um, approved by the RPU board, is looking at these very contracts because the audit covers January 1st, 2009, all the way up through the end of 2018. So yes, that's, that's correct. They're going to be the topic of the audit. Yeah.
0: So the way it works in a a government agency is that certain officers within the agency are able to spend uh, with their what they call own signature authority, they can spend up to is ten thousand dollars, twenty five thousand dollars, fifty, maybe it's a hundred in some places. It all depends on the individual agency. They can sign those contracts without taking it back to any sort of governing board, right? Uh, mm-hmm. At the city of Riverside, that limit was twenty five thousand dollars. But what I was noticing when I was looking at some of these contracts is that on an annual basis. Some of these contracts were for several hundred thousand dollars. In fact, I think there was one as, as high as or close to a seven hundred thousand dollars. And so my immediate question was, how does the the general manager of that agency, uh, it seems that he's spending 50 times what he would normally be able to spend if he ran the contract through the city process. How was he able to get 50 times the spending authority by running it through SCAPA? That didn't seem uh, kosher. It didn't seem to mesh. Uh, With anything I had ever heard of. Uh, And so that, of course, was the first uh, red flag. And then I thought, well, and supposedly SCAPA is here for transmission and power projects. How are they running uh, uh, consulting contracts on energy efficiency? How are they doing training? How are they doing legal services? How are they doing investigations? Uh, How does this fall under the SCAPA contract at all? So I thought that seems like another source of potential Misappropriation of funds. And then lastly, I checked and I saw their big purchases were for energy efficiency programs. And I went and I found some votes by our local governing body here, our city council, that had uh, allowed the utility in conflict with the, the SCAPA charter, by the way, but it allowed the utility to uh, manage some of these programs through SCAPA for $100,000. It was capped at $100,000. And of course, the utility was blowing through those appropriations limits, so I thought, boy, we got some some real big problems here. And I started talking about them internally at the utility, as well as many other subjects that are probably we could do a podcast series on of things that I thought were inappropriate <laughs> activities at the um, at the utility. Uh, a lot of them harmful to directly harmful to the ratepayers. But why, uh, for this podcast, I guess we're going to try to keep it to Scapa. But what ended up, ended up yeah. eventually happening is. I was uh, demoted uh, based upon this investigation, probably the fall of 2012. And uh, after I was demoted, the city claimed that I was put on a a new probationary status. And I was, as soon as I came back to work, I was fired within weeks. As they said, I was on a new probationary status. Uh, And they they did that, of course, without cause, no cause. And so that Mm -hmm. began a real period of turmoil, uh, where for the next couple of years, I was in the court system suing the city for, uh, a legal termination and uh, under the whistleblower statutes, which I in turn eventually would uh, be the prevailing party in January, I believe of 2015. So that takes us to 2015. Um, in two, early 2015, after the, I had settled my individual claims with the city, I uh, i think they expected me to take off and and, and leave leave town. I wasn't from Riverside, and <laughs> maybe they expected me to go yep. back to somewhere, just get out of Riverside. But I stuck around, and I wanted to see that there was accountability for a lot of the things that I thought were inappropriate or I thought were, some of them were playing out illegal at the utility. So I started – Going down to the local board of public utility meetings and in the city council meetings and making public all the complaints that I had made uh, internally at the utility while I was there. And then, of course, other things that I would learn. Um, During the course of my lawsuit, after I'd been fired in 2013, I would discover even more things that were inappropriate and, in my opinion, illegal going on the utility. And SCAPA was one of them that I I headed off with because it seemed clear to me that something very wrong was going on at SCAPA. And I think I made the first uh, public report of inappropriate activity to the city of Riverside's finance committee, I want to say, in the spring of two thousand fifteen. And they kind of tossed. Go ahead.
2: I was just going to say, at that point, since you had settled, you were allowed to speak. You'd been kind of, you have been under a gag order to that point, right?
0: Well, you will find that most attorneys don't want their clients speaking about the underlying, you know, issues within their case until, you know, until yeah. they've, they've settled the case or there's been some sure. sort of judgment in the case. So, yeah, I was, I was advised not to be too, too loud and proud about what I was going to say <laughs> until after we had finished, we would settled our case, so. So that was a little bit of a delay. Um, and so I, I made the reports. I thought as soon as the city council realized what um, the utility was doing over at SCAPA, they would immediately rush in on white horses to change and fix the situation. But that is not what happened. And, and what I've come to realize is that a lot of folks who sit on these you know, city councils, they're not you know, professional government administrators, right? There, Some of them might have been, you know, termite inspectors. They could have been police officers. They could have been, you know, nurses, Uh, anything under the sun. So they don't necessarily have a great understanding of government process and how it needs to work. And so what I saw a lot of was obfuscation and bamboozling by the professional Mm -hmm. staff Uh, with the council at the finance committee to kind of make them think that everything they were doing was above board and a-okay. And that was very frustrating to me to not get the support that I thought I needed at that point in time to sort of fix what was obviously a problem. And in my opinion was misappropriation of public funds. And so that kind of got tossed around at that committee for, I would say maybe two years and nothing was really uh, ever resolved Eventually, I got frustrated with that. I took it to another committee where I thought there might be a better understanding of the government processes issues. That was what was then called the Government Affairs Committee over at Riverside. And there were different council members on there. That committee consisted of more senior council members who'd have a little bit more experience with how the city needs to operate. And from there, things started to take off. Now, keep in mind, this is now Uh, four plus years after I had made my initial complaint about inappropriate activities at SCAPA. So, and trust me, it's not going to get solved for a a while longer. I'm just giving your your (laughs) listeners an an early heads up that, you know, it's good. We're still kind of waiting on the final results on that. So this takes us to 2017. The committee uh, says, government affairs committee says, yeah, we got a problem here. And eventually I think towards Hmm. the end of the year, they say, you're going to end this activity and, Uh, You're going to change these processes and we're going to we need an audit to see what the heck's been really going on over there at SCAPA. How much money has gone out the door? Where has it gone to? Um, Were there violations of city policy? Were there violations of state policy or state law? Anyway, this is the end of 2017. And so I'm finally thinking to myself, okay, you know, the the, the journey is almost over. Uh, I've been pursuing (laughs) this for, you know, at this point in time, five years to get something done. And the audit comes back in, I would say, the spring of 2018. And the audit comes back and it's done. It's not outsourced. It's done by the internal audit department over at the city, which was the first red flag for me. Uh, And so I read the audit and the audit has a lot of the information I'm looking for, which clearly would lead most people to think we've got some improprieties going on. But you get to the conclusion, and the conclusion reads, uh, essentially, there's nothing to see here. Everything was above board. Everything was done without, within policy. Uh, this was all a giant waste of time. Okay. So I'm, uh, I'm absolutely outraged uh, at, at the results. But yet the city is, you know, in my opinion, was looking to, I thought, was looking to bury the improprieties, so, uh, at that mm-hmm. point in time, we changed our, our city manager, and there was a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, whenever you have a, a, a big change at the executive leadership position within a city, things kind of like don't get done for a little while. We had a new city manager coming in, and I was starting to make my case to the new city manager that the that, that audit report was bogus and we needed to uh, do something about it. I don't know what exactly I wanted to do at that point in time, but do something. And I was, Reading through, this is the, the really a one in a million thing here. I was reading through random Public Records Act requests made to the city of Riverside. Because I obviously had a lot of spare time on my hands, right? And sure. of course, any public records request you make is a public document in and of itself. And I was just kind of seeing what are people looking for over at documents at the city? And I, and I came across one which stated, and i tell you, this was completely random. I wasn't looking for it. I just happened across it. I came across one that said, you know, why is Vincent Price? And I recognize that name as the person who would, from internal audit, who had done the audit of SCAPA. Why is Vincent Price doing any audits of Riverside Public Utilities, RPU, when he is like the longtime boyfriend of, of the former general manager, Dave Wright. He should be forbidden, and he has a conflict in doing any sort of audits like that. And then the person went on to go request some records. And I got to tell you, uh, Jason, my draw literally hit the floor at that at that juncture because yeah. I thought to myself, wait a second, you're telling me that the person the city picked to do the audit of SCAPA is the 20-year boyfriend of the former general manager that I had been accusing of of potentially uh, misappropriating uh, public funds that I had sat down with in an interview and given him all the evidence that I had of improprieties at, at SCAPA. And he had never once mentioned that he was this person's boyfriend. And the target of these improprieties would have been that general manager at the time. He had since moved on. I think he had left the utility shortly after I did in 2013. He went out to uh, Las Vegas for a little while. And then he ended up actually coming back to California and landing over it at, at LADWP, which is of course another story. Okay. So, yeah,
2: so I was uh, going to say, yeah, that's, um, <laughs> just to inform people a little bit, this is why when I cover this, I call it the tangled web. Um, Mr. Wright goes to LADWP becomes involved with the billing scandal. His office is raided by the FBI. He's fired. So that's another, maybe a little, a large red flag, you know, um,
0: and of course Dave Wright was the person who came in and personally fired me in 2013 without cause. Yeah. Uh, And shortly after, and I think, uh, uh, shortly after I was fired, uh, I, the city sent three uniformed police officers up to my house to suggest that if I was ever to show my face down at city hall or any city property in the future, I might end up with a couple bullets in me
2: (laughs) So talk about that a little bit. Um, because that's, now we're getting into some, you know, crime drama kind of stuff here. So this is clear intimidation and the police officers come to your house and and what do they say exactly?
0: Well, it, it was all based upon this. So when they were firing me without cause, I knew my rights as a civil servant and I knew that I could not be fired without cause. And they were trying to, uh, do some legal uh, wrangling and wordsmithing to say, oh, but there's an exception. We, we can do this, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. And I said them on well, my way out the door, I talked to Dave Wright, and then I talked to um, the HR department. I said, I, I, listen, I'm going to murder you guys in court. Okay, you guys are I'm done. You're finished. You're dead in court because <laughs> what you're doing is clearly illegal, clearly illegal. And, of course, then those, those words were taken out of context to then – uh, go to the police and say, you know, this guy uh, made threats against us and, um, you know, you need to go up there and basically send him the message I assume. And that's what they did. They came up and they, 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 they went up to send me a message and they, you know, it's never a direct threat. It's always something along the lines of, you know, we're experienced police officers. We would never do this, but you know, we're going to hang your picture all over every city building in in Riverside. And if you show up there, it's going to say, you know, this is a potential. uh, emergency. This person's a disgruntled, hostile, aggressive, dangerous individual, and you need to call the police. And they said, well, you know, if we showed up, we, of course, you know, we're mature officers, we, you know, you would be fine. But what if a rookie shows up and he gets excited and he ends up shooting you? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and I said, I said, you know, uh, could, you, could you repeat that again, but this time for the camera? You know wow. the, you know so uh, the, the strange thing so I immediately filed a report with the uh, Riverside has a community police review Commission um, that uh, is a commission of, of volunteer citizens um, that review complaints against our police here uh, as a result of a big high-profile case called the uh, um, the Miller case uh, back in the Early 2000s, I believe, or late late 90s, where they were forced to put this commission in place um, by the state of California, I believe, under a consent decree. But anyway, so I filed my complaint with with them. I think that that day or the or the next day, and said, "This is completely inappropriate. It's intimidation. It's it's you know, in order yep. to get me to stop complaining about." all the improprieties I saw down at, 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 at RPU. And of course that went nowhere. That went, that that was another, like what I call illegitimate process where just, it just went nowhere. And I always think about back to that. The one thing that always stands out to me is that when you look at the police reports from when they, of course they did an incident report and they came to my house, the, the police reports all say that there's um, audio. They took, you know, they, they have their um, audio transponders on them. And I think under their policy, they're required to, to record any interaction with the public. And so there's a there's a checkbox on those police reports that says we have audio of this interaction. And when I made my public records request, Jason, guess what happened? They all seem to disappear.
2: So you never heard any. Re- obviously, no recordings of this police no. interview ever. Came
0: out. and it was thrown out my all my complaints were thrown out as unfounded so it didn't really go anywhere but but I will say the the, the visits with the police stopped right after I made my my complaint so that hmm. goes once again that's that was back in 2013 so let's get forward to the, the to the not the present but the near past I think we were we were back in 2000 um, early 2019 was when I discovered that Vincent Price had been auditing Dave Wright. Uh, and I immediately went down to the Government Affairs Committee and went on a tirade about how inappropriate this was and how impossible it was that nobody on staff and nobody on the council, uh, it was impossible that nobody would, would not have known about this long standing relationship with the former general manager of the utility. Uh, I just thought sure. it was, it, it, they had known, somebody had to have known about this relationship and they just, they didn't think it, it mattered. They didn't think that it was a big deal that this was allowed to occur. And I thought this is just uh, reprehensible uh, behavior on all parties' uh, behalf. But it did result in, you know, the, the that committee ordered um, an investigation, not into SCAPA, but ordered an investigation into whether or not this auditor had a conflict of interest when he um, conducted his internal audit. Okay. So that's, in, that's an yeah. important distinction. It's important. Distinction. And
2: there's so at the time um, one of the, Riverside Council members actually put out a statement where he quote, believed there was a conflict of interest on the part of priced and his audit of scapa. And he had serious concerns about the expenditures between RPU and scapa. So things are starting to come to the surface a little bit. It sounds like and this investigation that comes up really, really blows it out and uh, finds, well, you can tell us what happened with the investigation.
0: So the city hires an ex-investigator from the local DA's office, and he comes down and he interviews a bunch of people, including myself. And and the the outcome of that investigation was, well, he clearly had a conflict of interest investigating his boyfriend. (laughs) And so he goes a little bit beyond that, though. He says uh, in another line, um, there may have been expenditures – made by RPU that were run through SCAPA that violated the spending limits set by the city council. And there appears to be potential unauthorized spending by general managers of RPU through SCAPA. Well, both of those things that he's alleging are criminal activity. It's misappropriation of public funds, as I understand them anyway. And so Mm -hmm. I thought, okay, here we go. And then the investigator wasn't compelled to make those statements But he felt so strongly about some of the evidence that he had seen, he made them, even though that wasn't uh, his directive uh, under what they had contracted him for uh, via the Scapa, it was really just to see whether this guy had a conflict of interest again, which I think even, you know, uh, almost, uh, you know, I would think a fourth grader would have understood he had a conflict of interest. But we had to go through the the process and, and get an outside opinion on it. So anyway, so that's where we are in 2000. Nineteen, and I'm thinking, okay, it has now been almost seven years that I've been trying to end what's been going on at Scapa and get some accountability. On top of that, we are really going to see things take off now, right? I said, boy, oh boy, all this work's mm-hmm. been, been, been worth it. And so um, nothing really happens. And so I start demanding from the council, and, 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 the, and four members of the council uh, are are Removed, or I think three of them left, and a fourth one was removed later that year. And the city council is only seven members, so it was a majority of the council, and that sort of once again put things on pause again. Um, had to wait till a new council got seated, and it took me till I want to say uh, 20, early 2020, to get it in front of the new council's nose and get them interested, in finally conducting a real outside audit of SCAP. Remember that hasn't taken place. And Mm -hmm. uh, the the city manager, of course, could have done it at any time he wanted to. There's a new city manager brought in place in late 2018. His name is Al Zelenka. He's still there at the city. He's known about the conflict of interest. He could have ordered it under his own signature authority of $50,000 if he wanted to do it. But he waited for the new council to came in. The new council gave him directive. It was dandied back and forth between who was going to pay for it. Was it going to be the city council out of its general fund? Was it going to be the utility uh, as directed by its board of public utilities? I don't want to get too much in the weeds there, but eventually they decide we're going to do this audit. it We're going to hire an, an outside firm. And I think they finally agreed on it. Maybe I'm going to guess uh, early summer of, of uh, 2020. And right. uh, I June. was told that, mm-hmm. I was told that the audit was completed actually in November of 2020. And I was told by several council people when they were being interviewed by the external auditor, because remember now you're talking about um, stuff that that went on years before a lot of these people were even on the council. And once again, they're not experts in government uh, spending and appropriating and all these joint powers, authorities. I was told by several members of the council when they were interviewed, they said, you know, uh, why don't you go talk to Jason Hunter? He's been f- dogging this for eight years. He's the, you know, the sort of the, you worked for the utility, he's got expertise in the subject matter. He has all the documents. Why don't you go down and sit down and schedule an interview with him? Because he probably knows 10 times, maybe 100 times more about this issue than we do ourselves. And of course, uh, I never heard from that auditor. And so I start clamoring and I'm hearing that the audit is finished. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, this why would you finish an audit without interviewing the guy who's been doggedly pursuing this and was an insider at the utility for for eight years, eight years, never. Right. and so I start making a stink up at uh, the city council level, and they say, you know what, we're going to amend the contract with the auditor to make sure that he that that the auditor takes uh, comments and evidence, et cetera, et cetera, from the, uh, public. And they did that. Of course, that takes several months to get done. And then eventually the auditor, you know, posts on some remote website that nobody would look at except for somebody who was really, really interested in SCAPA audits, which is probably one person in all of Southern California. Uh, <laughs> I find the request for the documentation and I, and I submit my letter with, you know, my, uh, allegations as to what was really going on at SCAPA, that was done in April of 2021, and I was promised, hey, listen, you know, uh, they will uh, accommodate and look into what your allegations are, and I'm sure we will have an audit back by early summer, right? Just one person submitting their comments at the end of April. How long can this possibly take? And uh, every single month since the early summer, I've been told that this audit will be forthcoming uh, shortly. And uh, that's pretty much happened uh, June, July, August, September, October, and we're now we're into November, and I'm still hearing the same song and dance, which is this audit, government once again is, is on its way. Anytime, any day now, it's coming forth, and now we're approaching, since I think I first made my initial complaints about SCAPA internally. Uh, once again, the processes have been mostly fixed, but there's been no accountability. We are now approaching nine years and that is the story of SCAPA.
2: And by this point, I'm covering this issue and I'm communicating with RPU and I, they're telling me the same thing. Uh, I, I did a story when they approved the audit in June, 2020. I can't remember the original time frame, but it ended up being October which I patiently waited till October. And then I was told last week that it's going to be done by the end of the year. There's where we're at with that. And you, do you think there's a question of statute of limitations here? I mean, I'm not suggesting anything intentional, but I don't know what it is for this type of thing, but man, what, what a dragged out process we have here.
0: Well, I think it's reprehensible behavior on behalf of the city to get, to commission a report that says there's potential misappropriation of funds going on here um, and take two and a half years to get to the bottom of that. I, yeah. I don't know any other organization in existence that would think that's an acceptable timeline when we're talking about the, the misspending, a possible mispenditure of, 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 public money. And, and so, um, My experience with the city has been when they're caught red handed with their their hands in the cookie jar is to sandbag. And so do I think I'm being sandbagged at this juncture? Well, I mean, it's been nine years.
2: It seems pretty obvious. And the RPU board, you know, I covered the meeting when they approved this audit. They were not eager to do this by any stretch. What are some of the quotes? This keeps bouncing back. Uh, I'd really like to get it done and over with, I guess that maybe shows they want to get it done, but yeah, it's a, I can, you can feel a reluctance. They don't want to dig up this, this issue. And that seems obvious.
0: Well, I think it's bad press for them, right? I think it's bad press. And so what they're, 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 they've changed. They feel like they've, they've changed the policies to make sure that that kind of, uh, misappropriation, once again, potential misappropriation can't happen In the future, but they have no desire to hold any of the bad actors um, accountable, nor really uh, it does. It seems to be to have they have no intellectual curiosity or fiduciary responsibility. They're kind of uh, being negligent towards. Well, what happened with all that money? Was it? Uh, even if it was only misappropriated or potentially misappropriated, was some of it embezzled, was some of it completely misspent. Where did the money go? We don't even want to sure. know. And I find that to be really troubling of that culture. We don't even really want to know where the money went.
2: Yeah. And, um, and the, some of the individuals we're talking about and you and I have discussed this, this is a tight knit political scene of powerful people. Mr. Wright was LADWP general manager. Um, The billing scandal, you know, who else? Other offices were raided. L.A. City attorney Mike Fuhrer, who's now running for mayor. And then the billing scandal, you know, just another crazy story.
0: The billing scandal was, of course, intertwined. I won't get into the details of the LADWP case, but the billing scandal uh, intertwined with SCAPA. So there is some intersectionality there is that. Uh, once hmm. uh, the Avenador contract was um, terminated by LADWP's governing board, not their city council, but their board of utilities. I forget exactly what the nomenclature is. They call it over there. Uh, Mr. Wright then rehired the same actors. Under a different name, I forget if the original name was Aventador, or was that the subsequent name? I don't know. But they he hired the almost the original actors, the people who were made up that uh, LLC, I believe it was, under a different name through Scapa. He just brought back the same yeah. people after the contract had been terminated. So there is a Scapa sort of um, story to tell in the whole LEDW thing, which of course. I don't know where it is with the FBI and the court systems. I haven't been following that closely lately, but
2: there's a lawsuit still pending, I believe by Antoine Jones, um, against LADWP. He was just a rate payer customer who got a bill for $1,300 when normally his bill was $25 a month. And yeah, again, a whole other story there. I didn't realize there was more of a Scapa connection there. That's something I should look into. It what you know your experiences here. You live in Riverside County. What do you think is is happening here? Is this just insiders protecting each other? Uh, you know we have to be careful about what we suggest that people have done here. But what do you think is you know has allowed this? Is is it just insiderism?
0: I think there's a, there's a component to that. I think the the larger but but that doesn't explain. Um, you know, years later, when you've got a completely new city council and, you know, Mr. Wright hasn't worked here now for eight years. Um, he's not that heavily involved in the community. He's a little bit involved in the community, but not he- heavily involved. So those uh, these new people wouldn't even know the man that that well, right. or his, his boyfriend, who, by the way, when he was found to have that conflict of interest, was removed from the internal auditing department at the city. He was transferred. He was given a lateral transfer at the same salary to another division within the city. That was his punishment. Right. <laughs> and, and so what do I think is going on? I think that the city doesn't like a uh, bad PR and they're willing to, in order to not get bad press, they are willing to overlook accountability, assigning individual accountability which I keep telling them is a bad trade because it just, in my opinion, assures that these type of uh, scurrilous activities will continue to happen because the bad actors will know there's never any accountability assigned for doing these things.
2: Yeah, and it's really only a result of you know your tenacity here, which has been pretty incredible. Absent that, nothing really would have happened here in terms of looking into this. So that's to your credit um
0: yeah well at least they've changed the policies i I, I can say at least one win has been is is if at least they've changed the policies i mean if i would have known back in 2012 when i was making my original complaints the saga that this would turn into a nine-year journey i'm not sure i would have taken it on to begin with quite frankly
2: yeah uh i i know i know how you feel um And I I have talked to the current SCAPA executive director, or he was a year ago, and he did talk to me and he said, you know, we support transparency, we support the audit, we'll be as helpful as we can be. So
0: sorry, the mm -hmm. other thing that came out of it, Jason, was that uh, the city of Riverside uh, more or less has pulled out of uh, SCAPA as far as those types of activities that I was describing were not even allowed under the SCAPA charter. They're... City now is doing those uh, entirely over internally at the utility itself and running it through the City Council or the Board of Public Utilities. Uh, So obviously the city is at least a little bit concerned about some of the the objections I raised to even not just blowing through the the appropriations limits and the spending limits, but just what kind of activities were even being conducted over at SCAPA. So there have been some changes, but of course I always say, you know, that, that's great. And, and that's half the battle. The other half of the battle, which always seems to be, um, they always seem to avoid over at the city of Riverside is accountability. There's been no accountability. And I will continue to pursue this, Jason, until there is. Okay. I'm all in now, it's been nine years.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's it's really fascinating. I appreciate you uh, speaking with me today. And you know, when the audit comes out, it, it, it will be very interesting to see what they find. And um, what I was told by RPU is that the auditing firm requested more time. Um, still processing your comments from April, I guess. But uh, yeah, that'll be the next step here and uh, we'll, we'll be covering it. And um,
0: Well, I must have had some pretty impactful statements if, if it's taking them uh, <laughs> an extra six months to address them, I hope.
2: Yeah, it is curious. and. They, they approved more more money for the audit I don't know what the amount the original amount was 115 thousand I think and the wheels are turning however slowly and uh, we'll see what happens but uh, thanks very much Jason we'll be in touch I'll continue to cover this and good luck
0: thank you very much Jason I, I'm glad yeah. that uh, your organization is putting a spotlight on this problem because I always say listen if it's if it's going on in Riverside it's probably going on at Uh, publicly owned utilities across the state of California and maybe across the country.
2: Maybe so, but uh, you know, that's why we're here. So that's what we do.
0: All right. Have a great afternoon. You've been listening to news data's energy West, a podcast about the energy industry today and where it's going tomorrow.